Children, you're all welcome to stay in worship this morning. Preschoolers, if you would like to, you can meet one of our staff here at the door for children's time this morning. Our After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, which was the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for all these people, not even for them to each get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up. And from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I don't ordinarily begin sermons with audience participation, but this morning we're going to do that because I have something I want you to think about, and I hope you'll share it with your neighbor. So here's your question to consider. What is one of the most memorable meals you've ever eaten, and why was it so memorable? You have one minute. Go. Okay, by show of hands, how many of you thought of a, a meal at a fancy or expensive restaurant? Okay, all right. How many of you thought of a meal that was celebrating a special occasion? Mm -hmm. How many of you thought of a home-cooked meal? Ah, yeah. And how many of you talked about or thought about who you shared that meal with? Yeah. 
started thinking about this scripture this morning and writing this sermon, I started thinking about food. And I thought about one of my most memorable meals. And when I tell you what it is, you're probably going to think that I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to food. And you would be right about that. The meal that I thought of that was most memorable was this. A ham sandwich, a bag of Lay's potato chips, a cookie, and a Diet Coke. I told you I was pretty easy to please. That meal was delivered to me by some really wonderful nurses at Mission Hospital just about 16 years ago after they'd helped deliver my son James. Now, James had decided that he would begin the process of coming into the world sometime around 1.30 in the morning. It was about 10.30 that night before he actually got here. That was a sign of things to come with my boy. <laughs> now, the last time that I'd had anything to eat was about 7 or 7.30 the night before, and it wasn't until about two hours after he was born that things began to settle down a bit, and James was fine, and the nurses asked me if I was hungry. Well, up until that point, I really hadn't been thinking about food because my sole focus was on having that baby. But when they asked me the question, it occurred to me that, yeah, I actually was very hungry, and yes, I would like something to eat. Well, they said, the kitchen is closed, but they could probably find me a sandwich if that was okay, and I told them that whatever they could find was all right with me. So a little bit later, they came back with a box, and in that box was that ham sandwich and the bag of Lay's potato chips and the cookie and the Diet Coke. And let me tell you that that was one of the best meals I have ever eaten. In terms of quality of food, well, it was what it was. But I was really grateful for those nurses for thinking to offer me food, for finding something for me to eat, and then asking me if there was anything else that I needed. If I wanted another one, they'd go get it for me. They gave me the best that they could find, and they offered an exhausted woman with a newborn baby something to renew my body and my soul. And I will never forget their kindness their generosity, and their care. And I will never forget that meal. You know, sometimes what makes a meal special is not so much about the food itself, but rather who we share it with and how it's offered to us. My grandparents were the kind of people that if you went to their house, it didn't matter what time of the day or night it was, one of the first things they were going to ask you was, are you hungry or thirsty? And whatever they had in their kitchen to eat, you were welcome to it. And there always seemed to be more than enough for everybody, no matter how many people were there. In our scripture this morning, Jesus and the disciples were on this mountainside near the Sea of Galilee, and they could see this large crowd, thousands of people, coming toward them. They'd seen Jesus work miracles before some of them had, and they wanted to be around him. They wanted to hear him speak, and they wanted to see what he would do next. Jesus saw this scene as a teachable moment, both for the crowd and for his disciples. In fact, Jesus had in mind, as we heard in Scripture, that he was going to give his disciples a little test just to see if they were paying attention. 
Jesus knew that these folks were likely going to be hungry and they'd be ready to eat soon. So he asked Philip, where will we get enough food to feed all these people? And Philip was likely thinking, well, I don't know. Why are you asking me? But I do know, he's thinking, we don't have enough money amongst us to be able to feed all these people. And he even said, well, you know, Jesus, it would take almost a year's wages just to buy only a little bit of bread to feed each of these folks. And his friend Andrew, he helps him make his case. Andrew chimes in and says, well, there is this kid over here who's got five small barley loaves, not that anybody really wants to eat that, and he's got two fish. I'm sure he'd be glad to share it with us, but what good is that going to do with all of these people? Philip and Andrew. Here they were, two people who had left everything to follow Jesus and be his disciples. So they clearly had some faith in their friend Jesus. And they'd already witnessed miracles that he'd performed and heard the words that he had preached to people all over their homeland. So wouldn't you think that they would have been able to conjure up just an inkling of an idea that maybe the answer to Jesus' own question could be found in Jesus himself? Apparently, it didn't occur to them right at that moment. Just like it doesn't always occur to us to think outside of our own boxes. Just like it doesn't always occur to us that we actually do have the resources and the gifts and the talents to do what we've been asked to do. Just like it doesn't always occur to us to turn to God when we're searching for answers to complicated questions and inviting God to help us and guide us through. I included the word stingy in the title of today's sermon on purpose because the way that I read this, there's a little bit of stinginess in this story. Philip and Andrew looked at what they had, the amount of money that they were carrying with them and the bread and the fish that were brought before them, and instead of seeing what they might be able to do with what they had, they saw it as lacking that it wasn't enough. And they weren't even willing to just go ahead with it and feed who they could feed. They seemed to be so worried about not having enough to do everything for everybody that they couldn't see that they, had at, least, that they at least had something. And they couldn't envision that a little imagination and dedication might carry them beyond where they were stuck. To be perfectly honest, there's not one of us who's sitting in this room who can't identify with Andrew and Philip. Because we're stingy when we refuse to offer or use or give what we have when we know that there are people around us who have real need. Because we're stingy when we keep what we have for ourselves and give no consideration for sharing something good with others. Because we're stingy when we withhold love from others, when it's the very thing that they and we need the most. We're stingy when we can give 10 excuses why we can't or won't do or be something, but we can't seem to find within us one good reason to do it. 
We're stingy when we let the practical and the pragmatic, the expedient and the prudent always dictate the terms of our life. Now, I'm not saying that we can't be those things ever, because Lord knows some of us need to consider those things far more than we do, especially when we're wasting the things that are precious in life. But the point is, is that we're stingy when we refuse to even try to see that there is abundance and goodness and sustenance that's right there in front of us every single day. If we would just open ourselves up to accepting and embracing that. And that's the abundance of love and life that God offers us every moment of every day. And God gives it to us, not just so we can hoard it or hide it or keep it for ourselves. God gives an abundance. He gives an abundance to us so we can give to others. So Jesus had a point to make and a lesson to teach. And he was trying to teach it to his disciples and to the crowd. And he's trying to teach it to us today. So let's see if we can get it. Jesus told his disciples to have everyone sit down. And you know, of course, in the scripture it says 5,000. There likely were more. They often talk about 5,000 men. But there were women, of course, in the, in the group. And at least one child. So we probably want to maybe double or even triple that number. In any event, there were thousands of people there. And there's no question that that was an overwhelming amount of people to feed. It would have overwhelmed me. But Jesus had a plan. He set that plan in motion by having the people sit down. And then he was going to serve them. And then he did something really important in this story. Verse 11 says, he broke the bread. He took it in his hands. He broke the bread and he gave thanks to God. And then he passed the bread to the people and he did the same thing with the fish until everybody had plenty to eat. In his giving thanks, Jesus acknowledges that what we have been given comes from God. And in that acknowledgement, he points us to the truth. If only we would offer whatever we might have, no matter how small an amount, no matter how insignificant we might think that appears, no matter how earthly and limited or how limited we are, if only we would offer it to God. What we're doing when we offer what we have to God is we're acknowledging the giver of the gift. We're asking the Lord to bless it as we use it. And we're acknowledging that it can be so much greater than our own imaginations can fathom. Something more than we ever dreamed of. Jesus knew that what was there that day was not adequate. And he didn't let that stop him for one second. What Jesus did with that tiny offering was make it possible for every single person on that hillside that day to have not just enough to eat, but they could eat their fill. They had more than enough, and they had food left over. And what was left was collected as another visual reminder that Jesus had more than provided. He'd given what was needed to every single person there and to the people there, 
what Jesus did was a miracle. To us, it's a miracle. How did he do that? I can't do that. You can't do that. No, we can't, not on our own. But when we're working together, and when we invite God to be part of what we're doing, then I'm convinced that we can. We can, as Philippians 4.13 tells us, we can do all things through God who strengthens us. Do you believe that? I do, except when I don't. And when it's, it's when I don't that I'm being like Andrew and Philip. I'm holding back on those possibilities of what can be with God and falling back on the that can never be default in my own mind and my own being. When my brother and I were growing up and we would tell our father that we couldn't do something, my father had a reply for that, and it was, can't never did do anything. We're really good at telling ourselves that we can't do something. And the world is really good at telling us that too. The world will encourage us to be stingy, to hold on to what we have, to never make a sacrifice, to take more than we give, and to ignore the needs of others so that we can tend to our own needs. The world will give us daily reminders that encourage us to live in a place of fear that confines and even enslaves us to the small and narrow boxes that often confine us. It's that kind of fear that does its best to convince us that there isn't enough and we had jolly well better get what we can get before somebody else gets it. The world will tell us there isn't enough. And how many times do we listen to that and think it's the truth? It's not the truth. And in the story of the loaves and fishes, Jesus showed us just how wrong that way of thinking is. He showed us that there is enough there's more than enough. There's an abundance. And that abundance of life and love comes from a God who loves us beyond measure. The abundant life that is found in being a follower of Christ is right in front of us all the time. And all we have to do is say yes. I will offer everything to the Lord. And I welcome and invite the abundant love of God into my life. So do you, do I, choose the stingy path or do we choose the path of abundance? It's a choice and we need to choose wisely. This morning, our children's choir has this wonderful offering for us, sharing the story of the loaves and fishes with us in, mu in music and in song. Listen with your hearts and with your minds. Be open to the possibilities of what it means to live a life blessed by the abundant grace and the blessings of a loving and generous God. Amen.